Every year, two million students graduate from college in North America. Most of them have dreams of a specific career, but they lack the resources to quickly get onto that career track. Today's guest is Sean O'Keefe, and he has a proven formula to launch anyone's career. Sean was an average student who attended community college and honed his mindset and relationship building skills through selling Cutco before enrolling at UC Santa Barbara. While at UCSB, Sean crafted his own connections in the sports management industry, secured an exclusive internship, then was able to get his dream job right out of college. Now, as an award-winning professor at Santa Clara University, Sean teaches students how to launch and develop their careers, and he is scaling out his influence through his career launch movement and a new book. If you are looking for ways to set yourself apart, build valuable connections, and put yourself in a position of choice in the job market, then this episode is for you. I'm happy to introduce my friend and former colleague, Sean O'Keefe. Welcome to Changing Lives, Selling Knives. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. There's a generation of entrepreneurs and business leaders out there right now who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills that they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from Cutco's most prominent alumni and current leaders. On this show, you'll meet successful entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, superstar business executives, and transformational leaders from many walks of life. All our guests will have two things in common. One, they're all changing lives today through their work and their influence. And two, they all started out selling Cutco knives when they were younger. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real-world concepts for business and life. Through hearing real-life stories and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. I always love when I have an opportunity to reconnect with a Cutco person that I got a chance to work with directly back in the day. And that is the case today with my guest, Mr. Sean O'Keefe. Sean's time with Cutco goes back to 1998. He worked for a few years while he was in college, graduated from UC Santa Barbara. He worked with Stephen Torres, who has been featured on this podcast and uh, another person that worked very closely with me, a Cutco Vector Hall of Famer. Sean sold about $100,000 in Cutco while going to college, helped pay his way through school. After college, he got himself into the pro sports industry and uh, had an internship originally while he was still at UCSB. He'll tell you a little bit about that and uh, some of the adventures there. All of this led to Sean eventually teaching a course on career development at Santa Clara University, which happens to be my alma mater. Sean is now a professor at Santa Clara University. He teaches career development to students there. He also teaches to students in a broader audience beyond Santa Clara University and has now written a new book called Launch Your Career, which is about how any student can create relationships with professionals and land the jobs and internships that they want. It's a great subject for this audience to hear today. I'm grateful to have you on the podcast. Sean O'Keefe, welcome. 
So glad to be here. None of this, that would have happened if not for my, my days at Cutco. So this is an honor. Thanks for having me. Excellent. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Take us back to those days, Sean, 1998. You started selling Cutco with Steven Torres. I'd love to hear about how you got started. Yes. So to the chagrin of my, my parents, I didn't go straight to a four-year college. I, I went to a community college, which actually turned out to be a blessing in disguise. And one day I'm walking out of class at a local junior college, and there's a flyer on the windshield of my car, and it says some high pay rate, and it said flexible schedule. And uh, at the time, my parents told me I didn't need to have a job. I was 18, and they wanted me to just focus on transferring to a four-year school. But my dad also, during my high school years, gave me a conflicting message. Well, not necessarily, but he said, always keep an open mind to things. You know, he really stressed that to my sister and I. So on the one hand, my parents said, you don't need to have a job, just focus on transferring to a four-year school. But my my dad also always preached to us, keep an open mind, look into things. So when I saw this flyer on my car that happened to be put there by Stephen Torres, I called it up. And of course, um, you don't know right away exactly what the job's going to be all about. But then I showed up to the interview. And next thing you know, I'm scheduled for three days of training. And it changed my life. I um, started and I was a huge introvert at the time. I had a lot of pimples on my face. I was very insecure. But I went through the cut code training and I started doing my practice demos. And one thing led to another. And three years later, I look up and yeah, as you mentioned, sold just about $100,000, made over $10,000 each summer, you know, back then. And a lot of you out there are smarter than me. The time value of money, I think that comes out to about $25,000 in a summer today. So, and it didn't even take 40 hours of my week during those summers. So it was, an, it was amazing to uh, get that flyer on my car. And I'm so glad that I picked up the phone and called and, and then got, got interviewed by Steven and got the job. Yeah, that is so great. It's fortuitous for us, obviously, in Cutco and Vector that you were there. I know you went to Diablo Valley College, DVC, which is a gigantic JC in uh, the East Bay of the Bay Area, and uh, that Stephen and you connected in that way. I mean, it's a, it's been a great situation for you and for Cutco and Vector to have the chance to have worked with you. And Stephen, you helped build Stephen's team over many years, and Stephen became one of the all-time greats in the company. So just uh, really glad that it, uh, it came together that way. Um, tell us about what stands out during your four years of experiences working with Steven and working with Cutco. Yeah, the professional development. And it's so amazing uh, looking back on, you're not just learning business development and sales skills. The thought that Vector Cutco has in developing the whole person, you know, that, the financial literacy piece, I remember, you know, as I went from the basic sales rep position to being a field sales manager. And, you know, you get access to, to these meetings and these coachings and these trainings. And they, they talk about concepts like the time value of money and why you should start saving money early. And then on top of that, the weekly team meetings, you know, it's a different kind of learning, but I love, you know, both, you know, my time at Diablo Valley College and UC Santa Barbara, I learned a lot in the classroom, but the learning from Cutco is just different because it's practical. It's real world. You're, you're having to face adversity and build resilience and what I call now rhinoceros skin because you have to deal with rejection. And those are things that you just can't learn in most classes where it's all hypothetical or case study and doing assignments. So the, the fact that I had the Cutco experience on, on top of my academics, I mean, I, I think that every student, <laughs> no matter what you major in, should uh, have the opportunity to, to sell Cutco because it's more than just selling knives. 
Yeah, indeed. We feel like the product is just the vehicle for all of the things we want. You know, when you think about what a young person wants in their, you know, sort of educational side of their life, they want to learn valuable skills. They want to gain practical experiences. They want to develop a certain mindset. And then hopefully they make some money while they're doing it. And they have a great college experience overall. And like all of those things are possible because we have a really, really great product with Cutco. But the product to those of us who are executives in the company is secondary, right? The people development is what we really do. The product just enables that because it's so high end that it's easy for people to sell and it, you know, people can feel proud of representing it. But definitely, as you said, more than selling knives. So speaking of mindsets, so one of the things I loved about Steven's weekly meetings, they were Wednesday night meetings. He would always hand out a quote of the week. And I remember I would, you know, bring those home and I would really think about them. And then I, I feel like I'm not, I'm definitely not the sharpest knife in the block, uh, so to speak. And so I didn't want to just file them in a drawer. I was like, I want to be, I want these inspirational quotes. I want these mindsets that come through in these quotes to permeate through me. So I remember in my, my very first apartment, I made this checkered board out of quotes. So I'd have a quote and then like a black blank piece of paper. And I made this checkered board of quotes that I learned from Stephen's meetings. And then knowing the impact that it had on me when I got the opportunity to teach in 2010 as an adjunct at first, every class that I would teach, I would bring a quote of the week because I, that had such an impact on me. So that's something I, I took from my Cutco days and I implemented as a professor. And I have students tell me now, now that I've been teaching 11 years, we were in my class six, seven, eight years ago. Oh yeah, and I still have some of your the quotes you handed out in your class on my wall. So I'm definitely paying that forward. I love it. The quote of the week. That is so great. That is awesome, Sean. What what else do you remember from the Cutco days? What were some of the other experiences or lessons that stand out? Well, it, I mean, I was an introvert. I am an introvert. I've learned to be extroverted over the last 20 years, and Cutco is is probably the the number one reason for that. One of the earliest concepts we learn as Cutco reps is about attitudes as a choice and your attitude and your behavior, your enthusiasm. You can overcome a lot of maybe flaws that you think you have if you have a positive attitude and you have enthusiasm. And I remember learning that as an introvert who was insecure and, and, and Cutco helped me and Stephen in particular and you, Dan, in, in our divisional meetings would teach us on mindsets that help us overcome our fears about becoming more extroverted, even if you're naturally introverted. And that helped me raise to become an assistant manager and then, and to be an effective assistant manager. So, so, so many good things from that time of life. Yeah. Excellent. That's great to hear. So you transfer from DVC down to UC Santa Barbara. And while you are down there at UC Santa Barbara, you begin to embark upon this dream of working in the pro sports industry. Tell us a little bit about how you got into that? Yeah, so I played high school sports. I wasn't good enough to play in college. Went down to UC Santa Barbara. And one of the things they have for, for transfer students, and, or I guess all students, is they have this fair where you can learn about different clubs and different majors and stuff. And while I was there, I didn't know this when I was applying. I found out that you could minor in sports management. So I was like, sweet, I'm, not, I'm signing up for that. Uh, I could take classes about sports management. That's terrific. So I, I got into the program as a, as a minor. Uh, my major was communication. And one day I'm sitting in the sports management class and the professor says, who in here would like 
to intern for a professional sports team this, this summer on the West Coast. Well, you can imagine every hand in the classroom went up. It was a, it was a bunch of, of, class, of students of sports management, right? <laughs> and then he said, and he had three, three classes of 60 students. And he said, I have five internships that I could hand out through connections of mine. He said, the only fair way I know how to give out these internships is to the students with the best grades. So my head went down, my shoulders shrunk. <laughs> I was not one of the best students. He went on to say, if you're not one of the best students, but you consider yourself a hard worker, come to my office hours and I'll help you increase your chances, even if you don't have the best grades and if you don't know anyone or have any connections to pro sports teams. So I was like, okay, that's me. I had a paper route delivering you know, newspapers at 4.30 in the morning during, during junior, junior high. That was my job. I worked during high school and then obviously you know, cut code um, during college. So I considered myself a hard worker. I just wasn't a great student. So I show up and basically I took what I learned in Cutco with, from you, Dan, and from uh, Stephen, and, and what I was learning from this professor during office hours. And I concocted this strategy of being holistic in my, in, in my internship search for a pro sports internship. I had done the thing that every other student does. I tried to apply online, but as you can imagine, in pro sports, they get thousands upon thousands of resumes. And so that wasn't working. And so my professor said, well, you need to you know, reach out to the people and try and meet some of the people who hire the interns. I was like, hmm, that sounds interesting. It was a little scary, but then I was like, because of Cutco, that wasn't totally out of the realm of possibility. I was like, I could probably do that. So then um, he kind of gave me some guidance. You know, you probably shouldn't reach out to the CEO and you probably shouldn't reach out to a 22-year-old or a 25-year-old. You should probably identify people in mid-level management. And I created a list of 30 people, six people at five different Bay Area professional sports teams, the 49ers, the Giants, the Raiders, the 40, the Oakland A's and the Golden State Warriors. I'm not a big hockey fan, so I didn't do a six team. Um, didn't do the Sharks. And then I was reaching out to these folks. This is the year 2000. I figured I should probably zig one another zag. So if everyone's applying online, let's do something different. So I actually took the time to handwrite 30 envelopes um, nine by 12 envelopes, not, not just like a, a small envelope because I didn't want to have to fold my resume. I made sure to print my resume on like extra thick paper, cardstock paper. And then I, I figured if, if I put 30 pieces of mail and I bought the stamps and I, and I, and I hand wrote it, it probably would get opened by the person because, you know, usually things that are handwritten get to the actual person. But long story short, I put 30, you know, resumes and cover letters in the mail asking sometimes directly for internships, sometimes to set up career conversations and figured I'd get two, three, four responses out of 30. So 10 days go by and I got nothing. Hmm. And so I was really bummed out. And so I went into the, my professor's office hours and I said, he had thought I would get two or three or four responses too. And I said, I got nothing. He's like, well, you, need, you know what you need to do next, right? I was like, no. He said, well, you need to call them. Yes. I said, I said call them. And even though I had Cutco experience, this was different. This wasn't phone time, like to call a referral, like, cause you know, you, you know, this was like cold calling someone in this like dream job that like, I can't call someone like that. Who am I to be able to call these people? He's like, come on, Sean. He's like, you're telling me you can't pick up the phone, dial the number. When the person answers say, Hey, this is Sean. I go to school. You Santa Barbara. I put something in the mail to you a couple of weeks ago. You can't ask that question? I was like, eh, actually, I can do that. He's like, and if they say, yes, I did get it. You just say, hey, I'd be curious about what the next steps would be. 
If they say, no, I didn't get it, then you can say, well, would it be okay if I sent you something via email? He's like, can't you do that? I was like, yeah, yeah, I, I could do that. So over the next three days in my dorm room, I remember I, I had to like really prepare myself. I mean, to make, I made 10 calls for the next three days to these three, 30 people that I sent the mailing to. And I couldn't even sit down. I had to stand up out of my chair because I was so nervous. And I had to pretend like I was older. I felt like I needed to pretend like I was older to change my voice a little bit. And then I dialed. And then some people said, you know, a lot of answering machines, of course. And some people said, call HR. Some people said, call me next month, call me next year. But no one said yes. And so, but then I just, because of Cutco, I knew this, the benefits of professional persistence. And, you know, part of what Cutco teaches you is that there's professional etiquette and professional persistence is good. Some people can take it too far and be aggressive or annoying, but but everything you learn in Cutco teaches you never to even come close to that. Like, what is, what is the healthy balance? So I, I figured that out for this outreach for an internship. And I decided, you know, through this methodology that I'd keep in touch. And eight, eight weeks later, there's this woman from the Oakland A's who said, you know what, Sean, I do not have any interns. I asked HR for approval to have an intern. But I'll tell you what, I really like the way you've handled yourself. And I'd like, I'd like to offer you an internship. It's not going to, it's going to be off the record. It's only going to be Tuesdays and Thursdays from 12 to four. It's only eight hours a week, but I'll tell you what, if you, if this works for you, if you do a good job, you can put Oakland A's on your, your resume and I'll write you a letter of recommendation at the end of the summer. Hmm. I was like, sweet. I mean, at some point I was like, I'll work one day a week. I'll work seven days a week. I'll do whatever it takes to get my foot in the door. And the beauty of this eight hour a week <laughs> internship with the Oakland A's was I could sell Cutco on the other days. Exactly. So I, was, I was able to do both. So that summer I got professional sports on my resume. I got this great experience interning for the uh, Oakland A's. And for some of you listeners and viewers out there, um, this is at the time when Budweiser had their big was that whole campaign. Yeah. Um, with these famous commercials. And my job was to help promote that campaign for the Oakland A's. And uh, so it was a dream internship. And at the same time, I got to sell Cutco and make, make a good amount of money and get the professional development on the other days of the week. That is so cool. That is cool. I love, Sean, how you drew in, you know, lessons from Cutco uh, as far as, you know, being able to be, you know, a professional persistence, as you said, finding ways to make yourself set apart from others being unique. You have a quote that you reference here in your book. Here's Sean's book right here, Launch Your Career, for anybody watching. When there's that moment of, wow, I'm not really sure I can do this, and you push through those moments, that's when you have a breakthrough. You reference that that's from Marissa Mayer. And that is such a powerful thing that you experienced right there, where you were up against a challenge, and it was like, oh, man, I don't know if I can do this. I got to pick up the phone and call these 30 people but you push through that, right? And in Cutco, we teach people to push through little moments like that all the time. And when you push through a lot of little moments like that, it's easier to push through bigger moments like that. And that led you to, to, to this breakthrough. It got your foot in the door with the A's and then that led to bigger and better things next, right? Yeah, so um, the Oakland A's internship ends. And then I, so I get back to school for my senior year and there was someone from the 49ers when I was making my 30 calls his name was Drew Kasani. He worked in, in the player personnel department, which is really tough to break into. It's professional sports is tough to break into, but then like, you know, player development is like in a lot of people's minds um, who put, who are high school athletes or collegiate athletes as like kind of the cream of the crop. 
he always took my phone call, even, even though he didn't have anything available, he would always pick up the phone. And so I actually had talked to him maybe four or five times. And so after my A's internship, now I had proof of concept, even though I didn't have any connections, I didn't have a great GPA. I have a letter of recommendation from the A's. And so I called him and I said, Hey, you know, Drew, this is uh, Sean O'Keefe. Hopefully you remember me. He's like, yeah, I remember you. So I, I, over the summer, I interned for the Oakland A's. Um, it went pretty well. I'd, I'd love to share with you a letter of recommendation that I received. Can I send it over email? He said, of course. And then he had told me previously, they do have an internship every winter, but it's always reserved for someone that's close to the 49er family, you know, a son or a daughter, a niece or a nephew, maybe a next door neighbor, because the intern that for that particular department was close and had access to highly confidential information about free agents and which college players the 49ers might be be drafting. Some young kid knew they were going to draft Trey Lance this year. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. Exactly. And so I said, well, you already have someone lined up for that position. And we're talking in September and the internship starts in January. He said, as of the moment, no, we actually don't have someone close to the family. I said, okay. And this, this is another inflection point where Cutco paid off. At this point, I've talked to this gentleman five times on the phone, I think, four or five times. And I was like, if I could put a face to the name, that would be even better because this is pre-video chat. So I said, you know, when I drive home for Thanksgiving, could I stop by the facility and just put a face to the name? And he said, yeah, that sounds good. So a couple of days before Thanksgiving in November, I set up a time that I'm driving home. I got to stop by the 49ers headquarters and I just had 15 minutes. And we didn't even walk up to his office. We, we stood out in the lobby and then outside and I got to kind of have a little chit chat. And, and I said, have you found anyone for this internship in, in January? And he said, no, we don't. And then at that point he said, I'll, I'll tell you what, Sean, I, I certainly can't guarantee you an internship, but if we don't have anyone and we go through an interview process, I will make sure that you at least get an interview. And I was like, sweet. I mean, that's at that point, that's all I could ask for. So fast forward to January, the 49ers lose to the Green Bay Packers on a Sunday. Two days later on a Tuesday, I get a call from Drew saying, Terry Donahue, the general manager, would like to meet with you about the internship opportunity and have an Whoa. interview. And so I'm, I'm in Santa Barbara at that point. I mean, I was, you know, the next day I was, I was flying in my car back to the Bay Area. I was so excited. So I interview. And then um, I was so nervous about, you know, what was going to happen in this interview. And actually, it wasn't even, they really didn't put me on the spot. They kind of already predetermined that they wanted to hire me based on Drew's recommendation. And so Terry Donahue, the general manager, was kind of just checking some boxes. And by the end of it, they said, well, when would be a good start date? And I left the interview that day with with an offer letter for a paid internship. And a good thing, because of my DVC experience going to community college, I overloaded classes. I was ahead on units. I took winter quarter off from UC Santa Barbara, interned for the 49ers, moved back in home you know, with my parents, interned, and then went back to school for spring quarter and graduated. So yes, but the key there with that 40, getting that 49ers internship was knowing the value of face-to-face communication. Right. Um, and, and if I hadn't had the Cutco experience, I, I probably wouldn't have thought about that idea of asking for to stop by a couple of days before Thanksgiving. Yeah. And these days with Zoom, there's two levels of face-to-face communication, right? There's in-person, but there's also what we're doing right now, which is at least somewhat as effective, you know, and gives you that chance to connect somebody's name and face and is much easier to get your foot in the door with somebody 
than actually, you know, getting into their office and going to see them. So it's pretty cool. Awesome, man. So where, where does this all lead? Like where, where did the path take you after college, Sean? So because of those two internships and a short part-time job slash internship with the San Francisco Giants, I had, you know, credibility, a little bit of credibility in this professional sports industry. And I utilized that and landed a full-time job with the Oakland A's and their business development department and you know, landed what I considered a dream job right out of college, despite not having the best grades and not having connections. And I just so fortunate for this whole experience of which the Cutco training was a big reason for that. And, and that's why I became a teacher is because it, that experience had a profound effect. And I felt like I was given a gift between what Steven and yourself and my professor of sports management had taught me that confluence of teachings were so impactful that I felt like I needed to pay this forward to the world. And that's, that's why I changed after. That's why I left professional sports. I had another job in between a leadership position, but that's why I, I do what I do now. Yeah. So you're able to get your dream job right out of college, despite having very average grades. Surprisingly, actually not surprisingly, <laughs> grades don't matter that much. I've never thought about what somebody's GPA is that I want to work with. But still, you know, that was a key point. And then you also were able to get your dream job out of college without it being some type of connection that you had growing up, a relative, a neighbor, a parent of a friend, etc. It was none of that. You crafted those connections by seeking out who are the right people in the industry you want to get into. You worked your way in to build relationships, you dealt with tons of rejection to get to one or two key people that could, you know, meet with you and help you. You did the right things to get yourself in the door. And then once in the door, you performed at a high level, I'm sure, so that you had good references and people wanted to be able to work with you. It's a great story. It's a great example of what any young student can do. Thank you. Yeah. So you decided you wanted to pay this forward and be able to start teaching others. And tell us about how you started with that. Yeah. <laughs> I realized, well, I don't have teaching experience. And actually, so this isn't on my resume, and, but I felt like I needed to validate that I, I could do it. So applying more Cutco frameworks and mentalities, I drove to a, a small college in the Bay Area and I just walked in and I said, I'd be interested in teaching as an adjunct. And it was not a school with great notoriety, like, like the one I teach at now. It was something else, but I felt like it would be the easiest entry point into teaching a class. And I got offered a position. I taught my first class and I, I knew I enjoyed it. And then after that, I approached the dean of Santa Clara University. So I went back to school to get my MBA. So my dream job was working in professional sports at the age of 21 by... 24, after two years of working in professional sports, I ended up working in professional sports for seven years after undergrad. But um, after two years, I knew it wasn't going to be something I was going to do for 30 or 40 years. So I thought about, okay, well, what could I do? I, I think I need to, I think I want to go back to school. So I went back to school to get my MBA. And during that time, I went to China and Korea on a study abroad trip. And on a plane flight to Korea, I had dumb luck. I had a seat on the plane next to the dean of the business school, who at the time was Barry Posner, the co-author of the Leadership Challenge. And so on this flight to Korea, Barry says to me, he knew I worked at the A's. I was still working at the A's for the time. So I was going to school at night, working on my ABA. And he said, hey, Sean, 
who hooked you up with your job at, at the A's? And I was slightly offended by the way he asked the question, you know, who hooked you up? No, I was like, Barry, I didn't get hooked up. Let me tell you a little story. So I told him what, you know, what I just uh, mentioned about how to create, creating it from scratch. And I said, I'm so grateful for these you know, influences that I had during my college career. I want to pay it forward. And he later in the flight, you know, long flight to Korea, he said, Hey, Sean, I was thinking about what you said. How would you like to teach as an adjunct? And I said, at first I was like, I don't know if I'm actually could do it at this university. I was like, I was 27 at the time. And I I still had this apprehension about not having a great GPA as an undergrad. I shouldn't have, but I did. And I said, well, yeah, that sounds great. Knowing that I was a little insecure about teaching at this prestigious university in the business school. And, but I said, you know, let me know what I have to do. He's like, well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. You have to finish your MBA, come back and see me after you graduate. Long story short, uh, at the age of 30, I started teaching my first class. Three weeks into teaching my first class as an adjunct. So I had a full-time job during the day. I would drive down at night. Three weeks into teaching that first class, I had this feeling come over my body like, this is what you're meant to do with your life. Mm. And I didn't know how it would manifest. I thought probably like in my 50s when I you know, was financially secure, I'd, I'd, I'd teach full-time. But life has a funny way of working out sometimes. And six years later in 2016, the person that I reported to at the university left because he got a dream job in New York because he was and he was from New York and his position came up and he, he recommended me for the position and I had to make a tough decision. Uh, ended up making a taking a two hundred thousand dollar pay cut to go into academia. Um, my wife and I had a lot of conversations about you know about that, but it was it was a dream job and you know being of service to others meant more than the income and we figured the income would figure itself out at some point and. So he said yes, and 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 so because I wanted to scale the impact, and man, was that a good decision? Because as I kept teaching, the woman who runs the first generation program at the university said, "Sean, I need to learn more about where you're teaching in this business class because it's having wild results, um, great results for students in my program who are landing internships and jobs because of it." And then I got asked to design and teach a class for the first gen program. And then after two years of teaching that, they're like, you got to bring this to the world. We can't just keep this at Santa Clara University. You should create an online version, a co-curricular version, and bring this to other colleges and universities throughout the country. And so that was the start of the Career Launch Social Enterprise that I'm proud to have founded with Santa Clara University's support. So cool. Amazing, Sean. I mean, I just love hearing how the twists and turns of your journey, the way you got into it, the way you're able to, you know, connect with uh Barry Posner there on the airplane and, you know, end up getting the adjunct role and then the big decision, right. To leave corporate America and a high, nice, high paying job that you had and uh, get yourself into the ground floor of academia and, and then how that panned out for you now that you're able to have scaled your impact so much more widely uh, that I'm sure it's going to create a lot of awesome opportunities for you. And you've got your new book that just came out, launch your career. Tell us about the book, Sean. Yeah. So as there was more success with the class and and success within the first generation college student program, I started being asked to to speak at some conferences. And then my partner at Career Launch is Marielle Rubio. So she and I were asked to speak at several different conferences and people would come up in Florida, in Arizona, in different states. And after after we would speak and say, do you have a book? (laughs) And my answer was no. And so after hearing this in multiple states, multiple times, 
I went to Barry Posner, uh, you know, sold 3 million copies of the Leadership Challenge and said, do you think I have something here? And he said, yeah, I think you do. And so that began the book process. And because the book is another vehicle to share with the world the sense of career empowerment and, and how to develop social capital from scratch, how to access the hidden job market. Yeah, really excited. May 18th coming up soon. Or maybe by the time that uh, folks are hearing or listening to this podcast, it will be on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. So really, really excited about it. Yeah, for sure. And we'll definitely make sure that uh, the people hear about that. There'll be a link in our show notes as well, where you can go and just click and purchase the book, Launch Your Career, How Any Student Can Create Relationships with Professionals and Land the Jobs and Internships that They Want. What are some key things people will learn by reading it? Yeah, so in the book, two main aspects. First is we're going to walk the readers and listeners, there's an audio book too, uh, through the eight steps of the method. Um, so so we, there's, the method is called the career launch method. So over 11 years of teaching students how to build professional relationships from scratch and then utilize those relationships and to inquire and, and receive and land internships and jobs, we've learned a lot. We've tried different strategies. And after about seven years of trying different strategies, we honed in a certain method. And so it's eight steps with a bunch of micro steps. And so we teach all of that in the book. So that's, it takes this really scary concept. Most students, like this is one of the scariest things, public speaking and building relationships with people you've never met. Those are two of the most scariest things you know, that students can face. But we, we've figured out a way over the last 11 years in the classroom and now through this book of teaching students a very practical and pragmatic way to break things down into these micro steps that really takes the concern or the apprehension out of it. And then, so, and then the other part of the book is telling stories and talking about mindsets and, and frameworks that help students overcome any mental hurdles or mental challenges they may have. Because so many students think, I'm not sure if this would work for me or why would a professional want to say yes to taking a conversation or a meeting with me? And so we really get into that in the book to help students get over their psychological hurdles. And once they are ready, take them through the method. What are a couple of the key steps that students can take right now while they're still in school that can put themselves in a position to be able to launch their ideal career after, after they graduate? Yeah, so the first step is, is make a list of 10 organizations you'd like to work for. And that's different for everyone. And, and this really shouldn't be society's list, right? This should be your list. And so be intentional. There's so much power in being strategic and intentional. So the first step is coming up with a, a top 10 list. Another important step is once you identify your top organizations, identifying people at those organizations who could be strategically helpful to you and locating you know, their name, um, their title, their email address. Um, a lot of students, you know, if they do work up the courage to reach out to professionals, they may, may send a LinkedIn note, but LinkedIn doesn't have as high probability of getting a student a yes to actually getting a career conversation. So we have this 10-day outreach strategy that we teach students on how to mix up email versus a phone call versus a LinkedIn message, what to do and when to do it. So that's that's actually step four is outreach. And in the book, there's a lot of templates on, depending on, is, is it a warm contact? Is it a cold contact? If it's an email, what do you put in the subject line? What do you put in the body of the email? You should definitely have an email signature. A lot of students don't have email signatures. So we teach all the things, all the micro steps, we call them, on how to optimize your chances to getting a yes with someone that you'd like to meet. Awesome. That's so cool. And then when somebody actually has the opportunity open up, they're asked to come in for an interview or, you know, the door is open, basically. What are the keys to, 
being able to get that opportunity when it presents itself? Yeah. So step five of the method is preparation. Step six is advanced preparation. So there's a distinction there we want to call out. So step five is really being prepared because if someone's a professional is going to give a student their time, you want to make sure that they feel good about that experience and they feel like their time was worth it when the video chat or the, the meeting's over. So there's probably should be at least an hour of preparation, learning about the organization, the person, thinking about what questions you want to ask, how to make small talk. A lot of students are unsure about how to make small talk because you really want to build a relationship, not just have it be a one-time transaction. And so uh, the preparation means a lot. Advan- what, what do we mean by step six, advanced preparation? We mean finishing the conversation, the video chat, finishing it strong so that there's a next step. So there's a mutually agreed upon next step. And for some students, it might just be asking to be, meet somebody else. For other students who are looking for an internship or a job, it could be asking about what would be the next step to try and get into the interview process for an internship or for a job after I graduate. And then step seven is follow-up. I firmly believe from my Vector Cutco experience, you know, being in a leadership position and then in other leadership positions in my career, that your a candidate's follow-up during an interview process means just as much as the actual performance during the interview. So yes, you want to have a good performance in an interview, but your follow-up, sending you know an email within 24 hours, in our opinion, from the data that we have before 7 a.m. the next day is really going to separate yourself apart. And there's a lot of reasons for that. But then a handwritten thank you note. And then what do you do after that? How do you keep the relationship alive in the in the weeks and months ahead? So we teach a very detailed, structured approach to keeping relationships alive and effective follow-up. So yeah, great question. Thanks for asking. Yeah, excellent stuff right there. Yeah, you've got this quote here that uh, you quote this guy named Dan Cassetta on page 117. How would you prepare if you knew that tomorrow you would meet someone that would change your life? I like that, Sean. I like that. Uh, You know, the points are simple and, you know, preparation and follow-up and making sure that at the end of the conversation, you set the stage for the next step. They're all simple, but they're things that I think so many people just botch and you teach step-by-step how to do it in a way that anybody can follow, even if they're not the sharpest knife in the block, as you mentioned earlier. And there's just such good, good concepts in here. Your quote, had a profound impact on me. And I remember at a, at a Cutco division meeting, you saying that and me writing it down in, onto a piece of paper, onto a notebook. And it's very cool. I'm very proud that, you know, man, 20 years later, I get to share that as a highlight at the beginning of the chapter, uh, step five in the book. Yeah. And so how would you prepare if you knew that tomorrow you were going to meet someone that would change your life? And that goes to the mindset of attitude and the way you carry yourself and the, and the energy that you bring to every day. And the enthusiasm that you have for life. And the fact that at the end of the day, attitude is a choice. I think that doesn't get talked enough about in college. Like attitude is matters so much in life. And it's something that I don't think for some students, they never even hear about that during all their you know classes during college. And so not only attitude, but it's like, you know, the way you carry yourself, because I think that's something else I heard during my Cutco days, one single conversation is highly unlikely to change your life. But one single conversation can change your life. So to your your quote, Dan, you know, if you knew it was going to happen tomorrow, you would absolutely prepare the night before. But we never know what tomorrow is going to bring. So we should you should, we should bring a positive attitude and an energy and an enthusiasm, so that when those opportunities come, you're going to be able to capture the opportunity. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've had significant relationships in my life that have been formed in 
really abstract ways. I mean, a, a couple of them have been literally sitting next to somebody on an airplane and striking up a conversation and then realizing like there's some resonance there and, and building on that. I and mean, so you never know when those opportunities will come your way and preparation in general in life and bringing your best to every day, putting your best foot forward, so to speak, is a certainly is a key. So how about now, Sean, people have gotten the job in their dream career. What are some of the habits or mindsets uh, to be successful on an ongoing basis? Resiliency, I like calling it having elephant skin, whether it's not getting a promotion you thought you were deserve for, you know, you were deserving of, or not getting assigned to a cross-functional team you wanted to be part of. Cutco, because of the need to do outreach and to set up demos, not everyone says yes. And so you have to learn being comfortable with the word no. And it's, it's human nature not to be, you know, come out of the womb uh, feeling comfortable with the word no. So if you've been through Cutco and you've had the Cutco experience, you can lean on that uh, during your years in your professional world. Another thing is that concept of professional persistence, because not everything is going to is going to go your way. And so being able to pivot and recalculate and then go back at things either in a different way with a different organization is so important. Yeah. I think that the whole idea of learning to deal with rejection is without taking it personally is a real critical piece because in life, there's going to be so many times where we just disagree with someone or we don't view something the same way, or there's some form of a rejection or conflict. And if we take it personally, we tend to get defensive. We don't really learn from it. It just spirals downward. If you learn not to take it personally, then you view it constructively. You gain insight from it. It's like getting feedback and greater self-awareness and you can grow and improve. And it's a whole different paradigm around dealing with rejection for somebody that has that correct mindset. And when you've dealt with it in a lot of little ways, like phone calls or demos, it becomes much easier to deal with it in the big ways. So Excellent, excellent stuff there, Sean. How can people follow you if they want to learn your method? Sure. Well, if you're interested in the book, uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble online, you can just type in Launch Your Career and find it there. We have launchyourcareerbook.com. There's a workbook that complements the book, and you could buy the bundle at launchyourcareerbook.com. The workbook isn't on Amazon yet. It will be probably in a couple months. Um, so if you're interested in both, you can go to launchyourcareerbook.com. We have a social enterprise called Career Launch. We partner with colleges, career programs, scholarship programs, and where we serve college students and high school students. So if you're a leader of a, a college or career high school program and you're interested in learning more about Career Launch as a social enterprise, you go to careerlaunch.academy, careerlaunch.academy. And then I'm on LinkedIn at linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash Sean O'Keefe. Excellent. So look for Sean on LinkedIn. Check out the book. Uh, by the way, I didn't mention this to you earlier, but I love that the book is published by Barrett Kohler. Their tagline is connecting people and ideas to create a world that works for all. Anything that they put out is just has just this great feel to it. I've been over to Barrett Kohler before for a friend of mine's author day that they had there. And I met Steve and uh, anyway, just uh, I, I think it's cool that it's published by, by BK, Sean. You know, I, I was lucky enough to receive three offers and the fact that BK is a social enterprise, that, that tipped the scale and um, it's, it's been a wonderful relationship. So yeah, any authors out there, if you have the opportunity to work with Barrett Kohler Publishers at some point, uh, take advantage of it. Yeah, it's great. 
Well, hey, any last words of advice for anybody in the Cutco Vector family? Oh, man, I'm just glad to be part of it. I've listened to other podcasts of other current Vector uh, greats and previous Vector greats, and I'm just glad to be part of this community. And if anyone you know heard anything today and that you feel like there's a way to connect about something, please reach out, you know, reaching out, you know, one of your other guests, Amber Villauer, I was listening to your podcast, you know, I guess maybe last year at some point, and we got to reconnect or connect for the first time. And so, yeah, lo- love being part of the, you know, Cutco family. I love the fact that Dan, you, you did an event for us alum a couple of years ago or a year and a half ago or so. So thank you so much. This has been a, an amazing experience and life changing. And my, my, I have an eight-year-old you better believe 10 years from now or <laughs> eight years from now, there'll be another O'Keefe selling Cutco and my daughter's uh, a few years behind that. <laughs> that sounds great. Awesome, Sean. Thanks so much for being part of the podcast. Thank you, Dan. All right, Sean O'Keefe. As I said, always fun for me to reconnect with somebody from my past family tree in Cutco Vector. I love that Sean's dad gave him the advice of being open to opportunities, being open to things when he was young and how that led him into being willing to take on a position like this. You won't always feel ready for the opportunities that present themselves to you, but you learn to step up and elevate yourself to those opportunities. Most of you who are listening can probably relate to that in terms of starting to sell Cutco. Some of you might be able to relate in terms of, you know, running your own branch office, for example, and being open to those things, taking on opportunities, and then stepping up over time. That was a a great lesson right there. Sean mentioned that the lessons of Cutco are things you can't learn in class, that there's practical learning that goes on. I love you said that every student should sell Cutco. Of course, all of us feel that way. The ideas he talked about in terms of going after your dream career. One of the key words I could use to summarize this is proactive. He was very proactive about identifying what opportunities he might want, who you could meet in that field, being very deliberate about great networking. I thought that was excellent. Super proactive. In the book, he's got the eight steps of his method Uh, I really recommend you check that out. I also have a workbook that's available on my website, dancassetta.com. That's called 10 Keys to Powerful Connections. Has a lot of similar insights. I would recommend that you go check that out. You can download that for free on my website. Really, really take heed of these eight steps that Sean teaches in his book if you wind up getting it. Because as I referenced in the interview, these are simple ideas that maybe you've heard before or you kind of intuitively understand. But the methods that he teaches, the A to Z, how to do it right, is really practical for anyone to learn and anyone to follow. I want to end by saying I love the fact that Sean gave up a lucrative career in business for the opportunity to kind of take a step back temporarily in a financial point of view to be a professor. And one of the key reasons why is because he has more impact. He has more impact in any role where you are influencing people, particularly influencing young people and giving them tools and frameworks and mindsets and concepts 
you are having a powerful impact on those people. And the power of your impact will scale out through the ripple effect that those people will have in the world. We're lucky that Sean O'Keefe had someone like Stephen Torres who influenced him so powerfully in his days with Cutco. And we hope that all of you can have similar impact on the world through your influence. Check out the episode with Stephen Torres. It is episode number 62. It is called The Human Side of Leadership. I can't recommend that one more highly. It's one of my all-time favorite episodes. Sean O'Keefe also mentioned Amber Vilhauer, and she has been a guest on the podcast early on, episode number 28, which is called Multiplying Your Influence Through Your Online Presence. Those are two great ones that I would refer you to that can help you as well with preparing yourself for career excellence. And I'm grateful that you took time to listen to Sean O'Keefe here today. Thanks very much, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you got value from today's episode, please share it with others and consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player. Subscribing to the podcast is free and ensures that future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. For access to guest bios, show notes, and other resources, visit changinglivespodcast.com. You can sign up there to receive valuable resources for free from people featured on the podcast. And to support our podcast sponsors, visit changinglivespodcast.com slash deals. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. We'll be back in a few days for our next story about changing lives. 